I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. What's up with you? Oh, just as I was saying before we hit record, I have so many thoughts and feelings today, Keegan. (laughs) Just in general? I mean... I'm sure about specific topics. Specific topics. uh, All having to do... Well, two of them having to do with what I want to talk about for the news. But one of them is something that I brought up on my Instagram and that I brought up with you yesterday that we were talking about. I started driving Postmates about a week ago. And within the past two days, I have had three men either like harass me verbally or try to start a conversation with me and like follow me it's horrifying and in the broad daylight like today I was looking for a house so I was carrying the food and I was up in the hills so all these houses are up these really steep driveways so I'm like where the fuck am I going like I'm so lost I have no sense of direction so I see this man smoking a cigarette outside and I'm like hey is this whatever number I was looking for And he wouldn't stop talking to me. Like, he was like, no. But then as I'm walking away, he's still, like, talking to me and, like, trying to start a conversation with me. And then right after that, a guy yelled at, like, hello at me 
from his car as I'm getting into mine. And the most upsetting one was yesterday that I talked with you about and that you gave me some wonderful words of advice for. Um, I was putting food or I was going to pick up an order and it was like a tiny parking lot. So I was parked kind of crooked and I didn't realize how crooked I was or else I would have fucking fixed it and not an asshole. Uh, but literally the second after I put my car into park, this man pounds on my driver's side window and starts yelling at me to move my car. And it was absolutely terrifying. This was like one o'clock in the afternoon. The sun is out. Yet I don't know what happened to me. I went into like complete and utter shock and my adrenaline kicked in and I got out of the car and I probably looked like a crazy person. I was like, you never tap on a woman's window like that. How dare you? I just got so mad at him. And then he just went off at me about my parking. I was like, fuck you, man. It was like such an intimidating, manipulative thing he was doing to make me feel scared that it just pissed me off so much. Right. I mean, especially women, of course, like when I was talking to Anthony about this situation, especially women who are alone. So uh, again, I know we do have some male listeners. Some reached out this, uh, the this last week. couple of days yeah. in, our, in our DMs. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> um, and I know that they probably don't need to hear this. But right. in general, I do think, first of all, this guy's just an asshole. Like we yeah. had this conversation. This is it's mean for meanness sake and that kind of personality I don't understand at all because I there's no way I could operate in the world like that yeah. if I was ever that mean to someone because I was having a bad day and I just snapped or whatever the shame that I would take with me the minute I left that situation would be too great for me to bear and I would oh, never do it I've done um, it I yelled at a guy for standing in my yard and making my dog go crazy because his dog was barking into my house and I cussed at the guy and got super pissed and then as soon as I was done I like chased him down the street and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm having a bad day and I shouldn't have taken it out on you yeah like, because, I just I mean, can't think that way you know I, I'm not that way at all so first of all I just think that this guy is just a dick like I just right. think that that's he's an asshole um but secondly you know I do think that there are sometimes it's a disconnect for men. Yeah. To realize what's scary for women. Right. They don't realize that we are on constant alert at all times. Um, and so what they think could be just harmless yeah. or whatever is actually very, very scary for us. It, and so it is. don't approach women who are alone. Don't startle them like that by banging on their car. No. Um, I've told the story a million times about being, it, of course, catcalling is bad, but like being catcalled when you're alone in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> like so you might scary. just think it's a funny thing to do with your friends, but for the woman in the situation or any real, any person in that situation, it's yeah. an intimidating situation to be in. Yeah. I just feel that this is a conversation that all girlfriends need to have with their boyfriends, that mothers need to have with their sons, that guy friends need to have with their fellow guy friends. Just a conversation about understanding a female's perspective when they are approached by a man. And I was talking to Max on the phone after this all happened because I was just so worked up. And I'm, you know, obviously blessed to have the, you know, feminist man in my life that I do who's just like, oh my God, like he just can't comprehend somebody wanting to make someone feel that way. And he's like, I've always been very aware of that. Like, I don't want to ever make 
a woman feel like she's uncomfortable or things like that. He's like, you know, and I think that a lot of guys are that way. And I've been very like man hatey on my social media because it keeps fucking happening to me. But I like to believe that most men know this, but I do think that it needs to be discussed more just because guys don't think that way. They don't have to. So they don't realize what we're going right. to do. Right. I mean, in the and, and if I can ask, like, were these mostly older men? Um, actually, so the first guy looked like he was in his 30s, white guy. Second guy this morning was um, like a Hispanic worker. I think he just was trying. I don't know if he was just being overly friendly or what it was. And then the third guy today was another big white guy in a pickup truck who drove by me and hmm. said, hey. Yeah, because I, I do feel like our generation, I feel like millennials, Gen Z, I feel like there's so much more awareness around these things now. These whereas, were all like younger guys, like not old. Is a little surprising. Well, I guess not really. I guess it's not that surprising. But yeah. I like to think that we are moving into a more progressive space. Well, it's um, interesting because like I rarely ever go outside of like where I live in the valley. Like I kind of have my places that I go and I stay there. And when I've been driving, I've had to go to other parts of LA that are not as like liberal and welcoming. Like Max suggested that maybe when the guy yelled at me, it could have been because of my Black Lives Matter magnet on my car. Because when Max has taken my car, he has gotten re- like tapped, rear-ended multiple times. He once had a guy come out and start like going after him in his car and um, what was the other thing that happened at one time? I don't remember. But he's gotten like issues from this magnet. So now I'm like, I don't want to have to take it off because it's something that I feel very strongly about and I like having it on my car. But at the same time, I'm like, am I inviting for people to be angry at me and to be potentially aggressive and violent? Well, their their behavior is theirs to own. Uh, right. It's not yours to own. However... You as far as safety goes, ever you have to do to make yourself feel safe, you know. Um, so I don't think that anybody would judge you for that. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change right. what your beliefs are. So well, but it's still, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to take it off. And the other thing, I was like, do I just start wearing like ugly clothes and like try to make myself look as unappealing as possible? Max is like, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. No, but I'm just that's... like, I'm so frustrated. I'm so sick of it. Like I'm just. I don't know. I, I It hasn't happened to me in a while where these things have occurred. And the fact that it's happened so much in the last... We haven't two- been out in a while, Madigan. That's I why. Know. Like, that's why. I know, like, right? I'm like, oh, God, though. I forgot what the real world was like. It's yeah. full of fucking sexist pigs. But and like, it's not going to matter what you wear because, like, you know, know, we had a... In our whole catcalling episode, we talked about this. It's not about how attractive you are it's not about any of that it's about power and control and making you feel intimidated or scared or weak yeah and and it works and that's what's so frustrating to me like I was very shaken up I dropped off my last deliveries I went home I took a nap because I just like my adrenaline was going I was crying like I didn't understand why I was having such an intense reaction but I really did it like really the one yesterday really shook me up 
Well, yeah, your personal space was invaded. No one should ever bang on someone's car like that. Anyone. Like, you shouldn't yeah. bang on someone's car like that. You shouldn't scare them like that in their own personal space. And if I needed to ask somebody to move, and I told you this, like, if I needed to ask someone to move, you can go over. There's a way to do it where you can go over, even if you're annoyed, and you don't have to be, like, sugary sweet. No. But you can say, hey, excuse me, like, I can't get my car out. Can you please move? Like, Well, yeah, and I was I was getting out. And he could have just said something to me. He could have spoken to me through the window. The other thing, I'm like, did I not hear him? Because of being hard of hearing, a lot of times I just like won't hear people when they speak to me, especially if I'm like further away or in my car or something. I can't hear them. But I feel like if he would have just gotten next to my window and said something, at least that wouldn't have been as frightening as someone literally. Like it wasn't a tap tap, like nice, gentle thing. It was a pounding on my window yeah, max no, was like i'm surprised okay. you didn't break your fucking window i'm like i know no it's that's not okay that it would was, be very scary for anybody i really think so it was just a thing so i i needed to vent about it here because it's the only place that i really can of course <laughs> so that's been my thoughts and feelings as far as like postmates goes and i don't know i had a really good time reading the news this week for the first time in a while. I know there's lots of things that are bad that's going on in the world, but I found a couple really kind of wonderful things that I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about today? Well, if you have wonderful things, I will I will kick us off. Um, <laughs> not, not that what I have is terrible, actually, and it's less about what's in the news, although I am going to talk about two stories. This, this one topic is two stories mm -hmm. um, that are currently in the news cycle, but it's more a broad and general talk that I wanted to have a little bit about moderate Democrats versus progressives, mm -hmm. because I feel like we're in this space now where Biden has been elected president, and I think that a lot of Democrats now mean that they can shut their brain off, right? Because they're yes. like, Whew, I can go back to the Obama era where I don't have to think about anything. It doesn't have to, quote unquote, affect my day-to-day -day life exactly. because I live in relative security. Um, and that's something that, again, you know, we've said on the show many times that we need to caution against. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about a couple of things. So Joe Manchin is this Democratic senator from West Virginia, and he has been kind of having like back and forth like little snips with AOC for a while now. Yeah. So the two have never really liked each other. AOC was seen um, glaring at Manchin when he applauded during Trump's second State of the <laughs> Union address, and it got turned into like a gif. Of course it did. Uh, and back in June, when everybody was calling for an end to police violence and reform, Manchin who is a grown-ass human man and a senator, tweeted, and I quote, defund my butt. <laughs> In I'm response sorry. I shouldn't be laughing because that's a horrible, horrible response to defund the police. But the fact that... It actually might not have been a tweet, but he did say it. He did but say it. What the fuck, man? Like, it, that is so weird. such... And that's that's not even taking like a political standpoint or saying anything. It's juvenile. I, right. There's no reasons behind what he's saying. There's no anything. It's just right. defund my butt. I would love and, to defund his butt. Honestly, I would. 
Right, honestly. Um, but like, it's so bizarre that people still think that women can't be in politics because mm-hmm. it's like this guy is a senator. Like, how embarrassing. Um, but he is he's a Democrat sem- senator who doesn't believe in defunding the police. Yeah. Um, and recently when he was asked to comment on AOC, he said this. He said, I don't know the young lady. I really don't. I never met her. I'm understanding she's not that active with her bills or in committee. She's uh-huh. more she's more active on Twitter than anything else. Have and you so met the president? AOC, right. A, well, but he's a Democrat, so he's not pretending to like Donald Trump that's either. That's true. That's true. But um, AOC tweeted, of course, in <laughs> response. She said, I find it amusing when politicians try to diminish the seriousness of our policy work, movement organizing, and grassroots fundraising to she just tweets as though serious politics is only done by begging corporate CEOs for money through wax-sealed envelopes delivered by Raven. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think it highlights so perfectly this, like difference there's this there's such a difference between these quote-unquote like establishment democrats and these like progressive they're progressive like millennial counterparts well i was gonna say the biggest thing that i'm noticing from what you just said is not just a difference between being more progressive and being more moderate but also in the age groups it's very obvious like a lot of the younger up-and-coming politicians are are a lot more like AOC that use Twitter and other um, social media platforms and the internet in different ways to help, you know, move their policies forward and to move, you know, their goals forward, where it's true, back then things ran a little bit differently. So the fact that this man is criticizing her for having, you know, a different approach to her politics is kind of well, it's, laughable it's very, to me. It's interesting. Okay, so... So, all right. So there's another thing that's in the news right now. Okay. And that is that Obama um, is currently, rightly, being criticized for saying in an interview, he said this about defund the police. He said, quote, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like (sighs) defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely you're going to actually get the changes you want done. So his comments Do you know immediately, how fucking mad that made me when that showed up on my timeline? Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, thing, Obama! I want to point this out because I feel like because we went from a young, attractive, black, Democrat president to what we have right now, yeah. we have these very rosy-colored, this rosy-colored view of Obama but we should not forget. I think it's very important. Um, and same with Biden. Yep. We can't forget that they are establishment Democrats. Yes. They are old old school politicians. They are. They, o- Obama is not a progressive. He's, like, not. he's and, not. And the snappy comment thing just, that makes me so upset. And, and I've seen so many interviews of him, I watched a really great interview that he did on LeBron James's show. I think it's on HBO or something. Max had it on one morning, and he's so supportive of all of these progressive movements that we've seen, or at least he appeared to be so supportive in these progressive movements that we saw over the summer and in the spring. And talking and hearing him talk to LeBron James about all of this and having this image of him being more progressive and a lot of the ways that he's spoken throughout the summer. So seeing him 
refer to the slogan defund the police as being nothing but a snappy slogan well, is it, yes. so diminishing and it, it takes back so much of what I thought was very good and inspiring that he's done over the summer. It was so disappointing for me to well, see that comment. Because here's the thing, with establishment Democrats and moderate Democrats and the old guard, older yeah. people just in general, I mean, I would consider Obama to be, you know, upper Gen X um, and then the boomers, right? Uh, it is so much more about politics and perception, whereas millennials and progressives, millennials, Gen Z, these people who will be moving into hopefully taking over the party. Um, or people who are old and are just like Bernie. <laughs> yeah, it was sure, but Bernie's been doing that shit forever. I yeah. know. I love but that group aren't... of like old, super progressive people because they're out there and they're awesome and I love them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I won't discard them, but there is something to be said about like uh, <laughs> just saying what you mean rather than I feel like the Democratic Party is really suffering by always feeling like they need to appear a certain way. Right. Right. Because. The right isn't doing that. Right. <laughs> so well, this is if you're doing that, all that's happening is everyone is being, you're allowing the entire country to be dragged right because right. the right is pooling right. And yeah. then we are always being the ones to compromise. So that means we're pooling right. And the entire country then pools right. So you have to have progressive people willing to say, you know what? Fuck the appearances. We have to make sweeping changes and pull left or else we are going to get dragged all the way to the right. Right. It just well, is the way it is. Yeah. I, I think that the biggest thing that's missing when we look at, you know, moderate politics in general is just a lack of authenticity. And I think in politics in general, there's really a lack of authenticity. But I think that's something that a lot of the grassroots politi politicians, excuse me, and, and more progressive Democrats are trying to do is just be more honest and authentic and real. I think the response is more positive when you go about it that way, rather than to have these appearances of being so perfect and so put together and wanting to be this like you know, tied well, up with a bow politician, you know? Democrats are so worried about appealing to the other side yeah. and not losing people from the other side that they're losing people from within their own party. So yeah. his comments, they did receive backlash, of course. Um, Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar tweeted, it's not a slogan, but a policy demand, which is true. And he fucking, and that's another yeah. thing. I'm like, Obama, you know that. You're a, a great speaker. You're a smart man. You know it's not, defund the police is not a slogan. It is a policy demand. Um, and then she said, for equitable investments and budgets for communities across the country. Yeah. And then um, Cori Bush, who is newly elected congresswoman from Missouri, tweeted, with all due respect, Mr. President, let's talk about losing people. We lost Michael Brown Jr. We lost Breonna Taylor. We're losing our loved ones to police violence. It's not a slogan. It's a mandate for keeping our people alive. Defund the police. Yep. So I just think it's something that we need to talk about, especially yeah. as we move into the Biden era. Um, it's going to be a, an ongoing discussion. I think just as Trump was an ongoing discussion for us in our many episodes throughout his presidency, I definitely think that we're still going to have plenty of things to talk about with Joe Biden. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And we need to pay more attention because uh, Obama, even though, yes, I, I actually, you know, I like Obama. And um, I think he means a lot of the things that he said over the summer. I do think it's important to remember that a lot of his policies 
did damage. Um, Ferguson happened on his watch and, mm-hmm. you know, like he didn't make changes that he should have made yeah. when he was in office. So yeah. pardon me, Mr. President, but I don't want to hear you talk about it now. Well, and he was the president during Sandy Hook. You know, that one for me is a big one, but nothing happened after Sandy Hook. I'm just kind of like, what the right. fuck? Right. And, you know, I do also want to, you know, I, I do want to say I realize that as the president, you can't just snap your fingers and make things happen. Right. You have to run things through the Senate, through the House, um, and things can get blocked. And I think that that is what happened with a lot of gun legislation um, that he maybe tried to put through. However, like, the point is, like, you didn't do everything that you necessarily needed to do. So don't come in now and criticize the way that this new generation is 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 doing it. And I do want to give him credit, though, for he did say, like, I think that AOC needs to be given more, you know, leadership within the party. Like, yes. we should be listening to her more. So he does. I think he sees the way this is going and he supports it. I think that that was a gaffe. Him yeah. saying what he said, and he should not have said it, and he's being criticized rightly for it, I think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hi. Well, I want to talk about something that was on The Bachelorette this week. So I am not actually watching this season. I'm listening to a podcast that is recapping the season. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I love Tasha, but I just can't get into watching it this season. But it's too long. Like that's my, been my criticism forever. I'm like, no one needs three hours of this. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I like, I like listening to the podcast that I do because, well, they're they're hilarious and they have great things to say about what they see, but they also like get to the points that are the most important and then talk about those, and that's what I like to listen to. Um, I actually haven't listened or seen this episode, but it showed up on my um, Instagram feed, so of course I had to dive into this, and that is that one of the contestants by the name of Ben Smith opened up on Tuesday's episode about battling with an eating disorder for 15 years. So... This is very groundbreaking in a way because, you know, I think The Bachelor has started kind of sharing these stories more and more. Like we had Kaylin who talked about her sexual assault. Um, There was even mentions of Black Lives Matter this season on an episode that was really interesting to me. So they are getting into some deeper stuff. But to hear a man so openly talk about his struggles with his body and with an eating disorder for so long on national television, I think is really cool. And this guy is like a tree. Like he is this like jacked, huge, tall guy. And he's being mm-hmm. so vulnerable. Um, and there are, there are a few, you know, great things that I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about what he said. But then I also have some concerns <laughs> just because of my own past experience. So he talked about how he hid his disorder for over a decade. He said, I found out what girls were when I was 15. I realized they don't like the fat kid. And so I stopped eating, started working out all the time. I'm not going to say how much he lost. He says it. I don't agree with sharing numbers. Had bulimia for like 10 years and I was in my 20s. It's hard to hide something for that long. And that is so true. Like I I didn't keep my eating disorder secret for very long. Um, but I know what it feels like to want to protect something that you feel is protecting you, which I very much felt that my eating disorder was doing. And so having that secret come out and then having somebody potentially take that away from you is scary. But at the same time, all you want to do is scream that you need help and somebody just do, fix me, fix it, you know, and it's such a debilitating place to be in. And so the fact that he didn't tell anybody for a decade and he struggled for 15 years, 
I cannot even imagine. And he was also in the military, which is just toxic masculinity central, so much machismo. There's so much harassment and bullying that goes on in the military. So having to hide it in such a culture that is so focused on being manly and being fit and being tough, I can imagine being really, really difficult. Um, So he talks about one of the things getting him through it was um, his job as being a fitness and nutrition instructor. Now, that set up alarm bells in my head. Um, While I was treated by people that were primarily also recovered from eating disorders, these people also went to intensive schooling for it. They are real therapists, real dietitians, and they are far enough removed from it that they are not, they're not in it anymore. They're not going to influence their patients in any way. However, he works at a place called Deuce in Venice Beach, and I went to their website and I also went to his LinkedIn page and he doesn't have any credentials that makes him a dietitian um, and he is giving people nutrition advice, which makes me very, very nervous. So I went to the website and they talk about calorie counting, achieving the aesthetic you want, etc. And I do not advise anyone, man or woman, that if you are struggling with severe body image issues, body dysmorphia, or an eating disorder, going to a fitness center is not the way to fix it. It's just not. You're taking something else and you're evolving it into something that's more socially acceptable and normal. Um, This is something that Demi Lovato has talked about in the past, you know, going to fitness after coming out of treatment because she felt uncomfortable in her body and still wanted to manipulate it in some way. Um, So just I just wanted to say all of this only because I think that it's important to talk more about men who struggle with eating disorders and get rid of that stigma, but also because I don't want there to be a misconstrued idea that it's that easy to just be recovered and then go give other people advice. I just don't think that's wise and it makes me nervous. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about him or his situation, so I find it difficult for me to comment on it, but I think that that... He does say that he was stuck and didn't have the language to express myself or the resources I needed to make a change until I found this community, meaning um, the Deuce Gym. And it's just, it's upsetting to me. I went on their website and because it talks so much about calorie counting and it's on his specific thing, like what he teaches. And he talks about not, you know, taking in more than you can take out and things like that. And it's just... From a basic standpoint, for for the average person, it would not be damaging. For somebody who has that mindset and has struggled for that long and may or may not have had proper treatment, right. I don't know. It is yes, I, I mean for me again, I don't know anything about it. And this is the um, top of the website. It says, "Want the body of your dreams? It all comes down to diet." What the fuck? No, sorry. I had this is one of the things well, <laughs> I read about it I mean, right before it, we started. It's, I it's, feel it's a hard thing because it, it's true. I have a lot of friends in the fitness world, and as far as it, as far as fitness goes, it is more to do with your diet than it is to do with your exercise. Yeah, you know, as far as like fitness, if you're training for aesthetics. 
However, I do find it difficult or I do find it a little concerning that if you are recovering from an eating disorder to be training for aesthetics, even as someone who enjoys the aesthetic benefits of working out, of course. I've had to reframe my mindset when it comes to working out. Because um, it can just be more damaging. I think it's better to, to work out for other reasons or at least have another reason mm-hmm. even if part of it is aesthetics yep. um, I think training purely to quote unquote have the body of your dreams um, especially if you're coming out of eating disorder yeah. culture um, can be mentally not the healthiest well, cause here's, thing to here's do. the thing the body of your dreams is never going to be attainable really not to anybody but especially not to somebody who has had struggles with body dysmorphia or an eating disorder their perfect body the image in their head of what they want is going to constantly evolve and change the second i thought i hit the weight i wanted i wanted to go lower the second that i thought you know these things constantly evolve and change is a disease in your brain like you cannot think straight and right. if you have been you know making yourself throw up and being on a diet for 15 years of your life it's it's incredibly dangerous. And while I have no problem with, well, I shouldn't say I have no problem with the fitness industry because I have a lot of problems with the fitness industry. I don't have a problem with people wanting to exercise. I think that it's important to have exercise almost be like a form of like therapy, meditation, having something be. 100%, because yeah. if mm-hmm. you're focusing purely on a very, uh, like aesthetic goal, like a number or a look or a something, you're never going to be satisfied. You're constantly going to be comparing yourself to the thing that you want. So the most, the thing that I've learned as far as, you know, my relationship with my body and with exercise, I've learned that, you know, exercise is important for me because it makes me feel healthier. It makes me feel hungrier, (laughs) makes me feel like I have more energy. But exercise to me is walking, (laughs) going on long walks and things like that. And it means something different to everybody. So while I'm not saying I don't know this person, I don't know his history. I I don't know what's going on, but I had a lot of red flags. So I wanted to bring them up. But I also wanted to celebrate the fact that he was so brave and so strong and so vulnerable uh, with something that could be so like people could take that really wrong. Like a lot of guys could come after him on Instagram and things like that and be very, very cool. And they probably will because the nature of the internet is such. Yeah, but um, I just think and, it's and great. And yes, it is something we don't discuss enough. So I do like that there is some representation that it's being put out mm-hmm. there in the mainstream culture for us to have this, con- even be able to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, I do see the red flags are there for me as well as someone who doesn't really know anything about right. this. Um, but, you know, pros and cons, yeah. positives and negatives. Yeah. Again, and yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to chastise the guy. I don't know him, whatever. If he's happy and living his life and he's healthy. But it's an interesting conversation yeah. to have. It's a good one I to just have. think especially for people who are reading People Magazine or looking into, you know, working with him as a client in the future or things like that. I just think that whenever you're doing anything that has to do with diet or health, that you need to go about it in the right avenues and the right ways. I highly recommend that if you want to go on a diet to talk to an actual licensed dietitian, uh, because they are going to work with your actual needs for your body and um, your likes and your dislikes. It's not going to be a fad diet. It's going to be something that's actually going to support and nurture you in your future. So there's my PSA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Maddie. And I think the last thing we have is probably the same 100%. thing. So we're running um, 
we're running long, but we do definitely want to talk about yes. this. So um, Juno and Umbrella Academy star Elliot, Elliot Page. Page has come out as trans. I saw that on um, my Twitter news and immediately put it in my my news, like, Google Same. Doc that keep <laughs> for this podcast yes. um, to talk about that because I just love that we are at a place, look, we have a long ways to go, which Elliot said yes. in his statement talking about this. We do have a long ways to go, but I do love that we are in a place now where somebody with as much commercial success as Elliot Page, who is in a, you know, massive show right now I've never uh, seen on it. Netflix. Is it good? I haven't either, but I've heard great things. So I guess I shouldn't say massive, but I know a lot of people I've, who really enjoy people it. Are, but I know that people who love it, like, love, love it. it. Yeah, like, yeah, they're like su- are, like, super, super into it. It's a it. cult classic, I yes. guess. Like, a modern cult classic of a TV yeah. show. So um, it, I think it's incredible. Yeah, I actually read an article where multiple people from the, the trans community were talking about representation. And while we've been working so much to get more representation on screen and in the media, um, as far as like, you know, the stories that we tell, the fact that we have a real person, you know, who can be such a positive representation for people who have been a fan of his for so long and things like that can be a really, really positive thing for trans youth, especially and for other people who um, want to see themselves not only, you know, just on screen and mostly in negative ways, but in real life living their best life like he is you know it's so inspiring as as someone who's been in the public eye for a long time we've all gotten to see his journey for so long yeah which is almost why it seemed I switched those pronouns so fast I struggle sometimes but those Mm -hmm. in my head it was crazy switched so fast it was just like it made total sense to me when well and I, I just love that we're gonna be able to see his journey evolve yeah. and we have already seen it evolve and we're going to get to continue to see what that looks and like. And I don't think we've you know, seen so. many other celebrities while they're actually going through that process. I can recall kind of Chaz, bon- Chaz Bono but he... I-, I watched his documentary. Yeah, I didn't watch yes. it but I, I know his transition was a little bit more public but I don't think we've mm-hmm. had a lot of examples. And Caitlyn Jenner basically. And Caitlyn Jenner right yeah but you yeah. know I think of Laverne Cox and some of the other trans actors that I know of you know where they were already out when they became famous. I do love that Elliot took the moment to mention um, his quote unquote privilege in a way I don't want to call it that because if you're a trans well, person. Well he calls it that. Yeah, but I don't like calling it that because I think if you're if you if you're trans you do have a target on your back unfortunately but he does mention that the violence is so much more prevalent in the black and Latinx communities. So the fact that he took the time not only to share his story and to be himself, but to take that time to acknowledge the fact that he still feels privileged as a as a white person compared to other members of the trans community. Well, that's the thing about white privilege, right? It's like it it. And that's the thing about privilege in general. Privilege is, is layered. It's layered like an onion. There's class privilege. There's white privilege. There's pretty privilege. <laughs> there are these things are real and they exist, and they don't discount the other things in your life that are that make it difficult for you to my live. My pretty privilege so I, is making it really difficult for me I, to live. I know. It's oh my god. Too Oops. much. I'm too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the other way around, but yeah, sure, yeah. 
But I do like that um, in his statement, he not only talked about privilege and took the opportunity to bring up the statistics regarding black and brown discrimination um, against trans people, Mm -hmm. uh, but also what I really liked is his final paragraph is, I love that I am trans and I love that I am queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows, and the more I thrive. To all trans people who deal with harassment, self-loathing, abuse, and the threat of violence every day, I see you, I love you, and I will do everything I can to change this world for the better. Thank you for reading this, all my love, Elliot. I'm not crying, you're crying. I seriously, when I read it, was both in tears and felt like I was being wrapped in a warm hug. I don't know what it is. Like. This is what I wanted to read as well is like I I also ask for patience. My joy Mm -hmm. is real, but it is also fragile. I think that that line is because I I can't imagine the mixed emotions of feeling such joy and freedom, but so much fear. as Can you imagine hitting post? On that Instagram, yeah. Picture. Oh gosh, the oh. anxiety would be so high. I'm sure there's know? this there's this release and this joy because you know, like I was saying earlier about keeping my my eating disorder a secret. That that feeling of wanting to let something out so badly, but being so scared to do so, and and this is a happy thing. This is a joyous you know thing that should be celebrated. So I can see where he would feel this sense of excitement and joy and relief getting it out into the world, but also. <laughs> probably yeah, like everything's going to change I, I think like, you feel that way it's like you know as soon as I hit send my life will change I can't unsend this I message, would have chopped you know? my phone out a window as far as I could and been like <laughs> no one let me look at it like I actually did that before I started dating my ex when I texted him and told him that I liked him I gave my phone to my friend and I was like don't give it back to me like you read it I can't I can't <laughs> like that's how I would be I'm like I can't have my phone I don't want to know you all filter it for me and let me know. You, you know? let me know. Let me know what I need. Which to know. I'm yeah. hoping is happening. I hope it seems like his wife and his family are very loving and supportive. And celebrities have been coming out. I like, didn't know he was married. Yeah, wow. he's married to a, a dance teacher. I was looking at her Instagram wow. today, and she's gorgeous, great dancer. Um, actually, she's uh, her pronouns are her and they as well. So I believe maybe non-binary I'm not quite sure what their story is but they're adorable and uh the wife did post something on her Instagram as well of the same thing that Elliot posted and you know also saying you know please respect you know our privacy and all this that's going on and yeah I'm just glad that he seems like he's got a good support system and Hollywood is Mm -hmm. really coming behind him which I think is stunning well and even in the comments that i'm seeing online and there are always shitty ones always 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 i've had to delete Um, a couple shitty comments on the post that we had on instagram yeah they will always exist you know they're going to come out you know if you look at the comments there are going to be bad ones but i would say actually for a post like this the majority are positive are messages of love and support and so that's wonderful yeah there's something about Elliot, that's always just kind of been like a special butterfly. I feel like in all of He's his got roles, that it factor always. Has, you know what I mean? Always, but has. that quirky, weird. I can relate to you. Like Juno was my shit when I was in high school. Like it's still in my top five favorite movies. I love that movie so much. Perfect. It's such a good movie, and like I don't know. I I just think that if there was a person to come out and be loved and supported, it was definitely him i think it's pretty great i'm i'm so excited to see 
what happens in the future. I did read that Umbrella Academy was choosing, there wasn't a plan to regender the character in the future, which I think is kind of a, I mean, I think it would be cool if they changed the character to be trans as well. But I also like that he has the opportunity to play what he wants. He doesn't have to stick with being a masculine Mm -hmm. character, which I think is kind of cool and very freeing. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It makes me want to watch the show for sure. I know. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I got to check it out now. <sighs> well, we we went a bit long today, but I think it was necessary. We had a lot of good things to talk about. If there is anything that's going on in the news right now that you all want us to talk about, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us at angryneighborhoodfeminist on our Instagram. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F podcast we have a facebook business and group page go over to the business page to rate and review us and go to the group page and chat with the other listeners i promise it'll be fun uh also go over to apple podcasts and rate and review us there that is the thing that helps us the most and we really really appreciate it and last but not least if you don't already go ahead and listen to us on that radio public app It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us just a teeny tiny bit That's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage rage on. Bye. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now, providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.